This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about anchovies. Yep. Which is another listener suggestion. So thank you, Emma. Mm-hmm. Here it is. I have very, very little experience with anchovies. <gasps> I, I know they're very divisive. I know I don't hate them, but I can't I doubt I've ever had a good quality anchovy. Oh, but I, sure. even the like lower quality ones I didn't hate. Um and I want to especially, I want to shout out my friend, Joe, who I told I was working on this. And we went down this rabbit hole of, I was like, can you just get anchovy pizza anymore? Is that like still a thing? <laughs> and we did all of this research. And I chose Domino's, but we could have chosen. I wanted to know like if I went to a chain. Right, right. Like a national, I, like normal American chain of pizza. Yes. Could you get an anchovy on it? Yes. In this, the oh, year of our Lord 2020. Yeah. Lauren, <laughs> there's a map. <laughs> People have done the work for us. There's a map by, like, Dawsonville, Georgia, Lauren. You can get that Domino's has anchovies. Wow. Um, but some places in Atlanta, no. Sure. Not true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that 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 makes sense. They are, a, a yes, a, a divisive uh, pizza topping. Um, I, I did go through a pretty serious anchovies on pizza kick for a couple years. And then, very suddenly, I was like, no. <laughs> Not into that anymore. Um, and you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was maybe it, so, something turned me off of them, and I think it was just like one bad anchovy experience at like the Camellias on Ponce that mm. used to be next to our office that no longer is that I still miss dearly. Um, yes, uh, not that I'm in the office anymore, but I'm sure I'm sure it was to to, to no one's fault. I was just like this salty fish is. Not for me. (laughs) 
Never again, but maybe sometimes. Uh, but maybe sometimes. Yeah, no, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to to jump back on the the anchovy wagon. Um, see see what happens. Certainly, doing the reading for this, I had oh, yeah. so many cravings. I want to eat all of those things, and Wonka Vision <laughs> still doesn't exist. So I'm pretty mad about it. Um, Alas, a lot of the articles I read from people who are almost evangelist uh, for <laughs> anchovies and pizza uh, and anchovy pizza, I guess, um, said that the problem most of the time is if you put it on before you cook it, that you should put the anchovies on right after you cook the pizza. Oh, sure. And then it's it doesn't, like, I guess, get into the dough as much or something, and it's not so overpowering. But. Yeah, I, I feel like heating heating those, those anchovies is going to concentrate that salt, and that's probably... Yeah. That's m- might not be what you're looking to do. You also might want to rinse them before you put them on a pizza. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, anchovies do always make me think of a thing that I believe I've mentioned on the show before, which is um, this episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer called Conversations with Dead People, um, in which uh, the character Dawn is eating some pizza, and it's apparently anchovy pizza because she does this little song and dance. And it's all like, yeah. anchovies, anchovies, you're so delicious. I like you more than all the other fishes. Um, and uh, <laughs> and it makes me really happy because it's super cute. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I did check because I couldn't, I, I was I was dithering on, on on how that came about. I know that I've like watched the, the or listened to the, um, to the producer's commentary on that one. Uh, but I couldn't remember exactly what they had said about it. Anyway, uh, uh, Jane Epsonson uh, wrote that that part of it. Maybe she wrote it for herself. I don't know. Um, she did tweet about anchovies back in March. Anyway, um, I didn't have time to check the DVD commentary today. Um, so the, the the mystery is still out there about how and why that line got thrown in. I, I suspect it's just that Espenson likes anchovies. So... <laughs> That would make sense. It, it would. Um, and I think this could be easily solved. So <laughs> I have faith in you and our <laughs> listeners. One way or the other, we will get to the bottom of this. <laughs> my my trusty PS2 is up and running now. So I have the capacity ah. to watch DVDs again. Although I just remembered that I left my entire Buffy tower with my dad. So there you go. <laughs> well, you know, one step forward. We'll get, you'll get there. <laughs> I, you know, I'm very happy to hear you have a PlayStation 2, a working PlayStation 2 as well, because I do. Oh. I love it. So oh, yeah. Games. Yeah. <laughs> we play, to be honest, a lot of Tekken 5 and Soul <laughs> Calibur 3, yeah. 2, one of those. Probably. In this two. household. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I play a lot of Silent Hill, Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy. <laughs> Anyway, we're getting off track oh, we here. We seriously are. Okay, sorry. Sorry, coming back. I did want to put in here, there's several related-ish episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, ketchup, surprisingly, or not yeah. surprisingly, if you listen to that episode. Worcestershire sauce. Mm-hmm. And pizza, as yeah. we've already alluded to, if you want to learn more about that. But in the meantime, we're not talking about those things today. We're not. So let's get to our question. Mm-hmm. Anchovies. What are they? Well... Anchovy is sort of a catch-all term for just a whole bunch of uh, species of small, skinny, silvery saltwater fish in the family Ingraulidae. 
Depending on the species, they grow to about 1 to 8 inches in length, that's about 2.5 to 20 centimeters, and live about 4 years in the wild. They're a cool water fish, uh, something like 60 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 15 to 21 Celsius. Um, And yeah, different species, over 100, like maybe up to 150, are found just off the coast in the temperate regions of the Atlantic, Pacific, and Indian Oceans, as well as the Mediterranean and Black Seas. And they're a really important part of the of the food chain, like the, you know, nature food chain, not the human food chain, um, everywhere that they live, because they're a type of forage fish, um, which means that they're just, you know, wee little things that live in these large schools, and they eat algae, um, you know, make use of those of those plant nutrients, and then are in turn eaten by lots of other larger animals, including birds, mammals, and other fish. They're sold fresh in mostly local markets where they're caught, but are also widely processed, um, canned, or cured for up to eight months before being preserved in oil or vinegar or salt or some combination thereof, um, either whole or filleted, with or without skin and bones, though you can eat the skin and bones, so, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and uh, and I, would, I would liken them to, uh, to mackerel. If you're familiar with mackerel, um, uh, anchovies are, are like a oily, briny, firm-fleshed, uh, savory, fishy fish. Um, and, and those flavors can kind of be toned down and balanced out if you use them fresh or canned. Or if you use the the preserved ones as a sort of like seasoning more than a main feature. Um, because those flavors get turned way up through that preservation. Um, you know, curing them means that you're doing some fermentation, which means that you're going to get all of these funky tart flavors from bacteria um, and And also uh, from the way that some of those oils in them, those um, really good like omega-3 fatty acids, break down over time. Um, I will say that uh, that the the vinegar brines are a little bit more balancing than just the salt or oil packed ones. You you get that acid bite that helps cut some of the other uh, uh, strong flavors in there. But anyway, yeah. In my reading, by the way, I found a whole bunch of scientific papers investigating like the exact effects of stuff like amounts of salt and temperatures and lengths of time used in curing on the finished product, like the resulting textures and and flavor compounds and aroma compounds. Love it. Love all of it. Anchovy research. I love it, too. Yes. (laughs) Here in the U.S., anchovies, especially on pizza— are frequently derided, but people who like them seem to love them. Oh, yeah, yeah. They can be uh, very salty. Those salt-packed ones, if you don't rinse them off first, very salty, uh, very strong flavor. Um, the ones served on pizza, they're usually those cured ones. Um, and, you know, pizza isn't usually a challenging dish. Um, and, like, a whole chunk of a preserved anchovy is a challenging flavor. It's it's not what people expect from a slice of pizza. Yeah. Right. It's very bold. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Um, the, those those salt-packed ones are similar in texture and color and, and saltiness um, to, like, salt-cured ham products like prosciutto. And, you know, like, come on. Like, like we like salty and savory flavors. Um, if you yeah. like capers or ham or parmesan cheese like as long as you don't hate fish there's no reason that you should not give anchovies a try um they are so good as a feature on flatbreads and toasts and pizzas and pastas made into dips um uh, you know cold or warmed through or pan or deep fried straight um or 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 fried in breadcrumbs 
And uh, anchovies are also processed into meals, pastes, and oils, um, and are often the fish used in Asian Pacific fish sauces, which are sauces made from fish that's fermented until they basically liquefy. Um, And they're the basis for, like, all dang kinds of cuisines from, from that area. Like, you could not have kimchi or pho or pad thai without fish sauce. Or, I mean, like, you could. Um, I, indeed, you, you can and you do, um, especially in, in vegetarian cuisines from those areas. You might not get fish sauce in those recipes. But, yeah, it's just a really baseline part of a lot of cuisines from that entire quadrant of the world. Um, and here, too, um, anchovies are used to make all sorts of things where their flavor is in a supporting role. Um, they, they are a key ingredient in traditional Caesar salad dressing, um, and they are so good in dressings and sauces for everything from salads to pastas to roasted vegetables to meats. Um, they're often a part of tapenades and puttanescas all over the place. Good times. I love this because I do feel in the United States, I especially grew up thinking everyone just hated anchovies. And I was kind of like, well, why are we still putting them on pizza then if everyone's Uh agreed? But we're coming out real strong in favor of giving the anchovy a try. But hold on. What about the nutrition? They're good for you, generally. I mean, they they can be a bit high in calories, but, you know, you're usually not eating, like, a whole bunch of them. And the fats in them are those are those good fats. They're high in protein, too, and a good source of a few minerals. Um, of course, the salt-preserved ones can have a lot of sodium. The oil-preserved ones can have a lot of oil. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, a, I, it's generally a use-sparingly kind of issue, but I don't know many people who would not naturally use them sparingly. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> it's not. Don't do it. Unless you want to do it. But then Unless I'll, you want I'll... to. I mean, hey. <laughs> hey, treat yourself to too many anchovies. I can't stop you. But only in moderation. Probably not regularly. <laughs> not all the time. No, no. <laughs> yes. Eat a vegetable. <laughs> Eat a vegetable. <laughs> um, we do have numbers, speaking of. Oh, Yeah. Morocco is the largest producer of canned anchovies, and they also boast the largest anchovy salting factory in the world, Mm -hmm. which employs 1,400 people. Peru has a really large market, too, although most produced in that country end up as bait or feed for fish. Always a bigger fish. Um, And the anchovy market is growing. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization reported the production numbers of salted anchovies jumped from 49,600 tons in 2000 to 72,500 tons in 2008. And this is nothing compared to what other animals consume. In anchovies. Um, In just one wildlife refuge in the North Pacific, researchers estimate that seabirds alone can consume over 90,000 tons of anchovies per year. Um, And also note that this is only a tiny segment of the total anchovy market. Um, The total biomass of just the Peruvian anchovy can amount to over 20 million tons per year. Um, And the catch can be over 13 million tons. South African, Argentine, Brazilian, and Japanese anchovies can also be caught in the millions of tons per year. And by biomass, anchovies are the most fished marine life in the world. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The fish meal industry in Peru employs tens of thousands of people and is worth $1.5 billion. Yes. Um, The FAO, which is the organization I mentioned earlier, the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, named the Peruvian anchovy as, quote, the most heavily exploited fish in world 
history. The government responded by putting a cap on the annual anchovy catch at 734,000 tons and placed bans on where people can fish. The fines for breaking these laws can reach up to $3 million. However, uh, this has in part led to a large black market for anchovies in that country. It's estimated that in the region of southern Peru alone, illegal markets produce 22,000 tons of fish. Who? Um... Yeah, uh, and and side side note here regarding the populations of these fish, I, I found conflicting information about populations of other anchovies around the world. Um, they're, they're more difficult to track than larger fish, you know, and, and their populations do fluctuate naturally with changes in climate over time. It does seem like human-created climate change is affecting their populations too, though. And so um, the fishing industry is being warned to just watch out for that and, you know, make sure they're not overfishing and to update those those catch limits to reflect what these new populations of fish are doing. Um, yeah. 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 I found several papers that I found fascinating of scientists using um, the anchovy, and I, I believe sardines as well, mm-hmm. populations yeah. to yeah. kind of track What's going on in a particular biodome is definitely not what I want to talk about. <laughs> I mean, I do, but not right now. <laughs> Biosphere, perhaps, is what you're thinking yes. of. <laughs> yes. I actually, ever since we mentioned that on an episode, it's on oh. my watch list. That is not a joke. Well. Uh, anyway, I, I found that really interesting. And... Anchovies are very revered in Catalonia. There's a salt and anchovy festival there in La Scala where they hand out a golden anchovy award. Beautiful. Wonderful. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> want to go so badly. The golden anchovy award. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they're not so revered here in America, at least not yet. I do think that's really changing. Um, I think they're up more, and coming. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I think the the story I grew up with that they're all bad is definitely fading away. Some of that's left over, but I think it's changing. Um, According to Slate, one pizzeria owner estimated that of his weekly 18,000 customers, only 50 order anchovy pizza. (laughs) Yeah. And it was even a running joke, uh, anchovies on pizza, in the 1989 movie Loverboy, which I've never seen, but it came up in my research. So Okay, there you go. I believe it's true. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. I have not seen it either. I couldn't tell you anything about it. So that's our stance on that. <laughs> um, we do have some history for you. We do. Not about Loverboy, about anchovies. <laughs> um, and we will get into that as soon as we get back from this quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! 
me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, anchovies are old. Yeah. Yeah. Absorb this May 2020 headline from Live Science. (laughs) I suggest you close your eyes and really take this in. Okay, okay. Ancient shape-shifting vampire demon, anchovy, had saber tooth and fangs. What? Dang. Shape-shifting vampire demon with fangs. Yeah, I saw a lot of headlines about this, um, and then I saw that you'd already put in a note, and I just and I just didn't read them, um, <laughs> which I regret because it sounds like a pretty cool a pretty cool ancient creature. Um, mm-hmm. but, it looks kind of like a barracuda. It's okay. creepy looking. No, I believe you. I mean, obviously, these are renderings <laughs> of what scientists right. think they look like, <laughs> but the drawings freaked me out. Okay. Um, and this terrifying creature apparently lived about 45 million years ago. Uh, the dates on that can vary pretty widely when you get back into that at millions of years sure, ago range. Yeah. Um, but something like that. And the closest modern relative to it these days is the anchovy. Wow. So humans have been pretty much salting fish since ancient times. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in the Mediterranean where anchovies are believed to have originated, and specifically ancient Greeks were huge proponents of salting fish. They salted all kinds of fish, sardines, eels, tuna, herring. But the anchovy was perhaps the most prized. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, They even had different words for the various types of salt curing that would be used in this process. The Roman Empire used anchovies to make a well-loved condiment called garum, uh, that was as expensive as the finest perfume available at the time, and also reportedly eaten raw as, say it with me, an aphrodisiac. Yep, yep. Anchovies, not garum. Um, yeah. 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 Um, and garum is the basis of what went on to become a bunch of sauces, but one of them being ketchup and one mm-hmm. of them being other standard fish sauces. Yeah. And uh, they... Salted this these fish by placing leftover pieces of the fish in barrels of salt to leach that moisture out of the meat. The resulting liquid was strained and left in the sun to ferment, and voila, garum, aka fish sauce. Ancient Romans put this on all kinds of things, the fish and garum, like bread. And later Italians also put cured fish on bread. And this was the believed to be the precursor to anchovy pizza. 
And you can, yes, you can see our pizza episode. Uh, for more on that, pizza came around uh, around the 18th or 19th century um, in this context because, believe it or not, a lot of people want to claim that one too. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, yes. Anchovies were one of the early toppings people went for when pizza did come around because they were cheap, plentiful, salty, and long-lasting. They were popular in the lower and middle classes. By the Middle Ages, anchovies were a staple of the poorer class in Europe, largely produced in the Mediterranean, and particularly in areas that also produced a lot of salt, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. One area in France on the Mediterranean coast, Collioure, became so well known for their salting of anchovies that King Louis XI gave them an exemption from the salt tax. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dozens of salt houses, fleets of boats with sails that were sometimes painted. It sounds like they were very colorful. Um, And sometimes these boats were painted by famous artists, all trying to get these anchovies. (laughs) Um, mm -hmm. When Sicilian salt traders arrived in northern Spain, they helped give birth to the anchovy industry there, one that still operates to this day, where I could get the, well, I can't get it, but somebody can get the Golden Anchovy Award. (laughs) Um, in the 15th century, Indonesians had a fish sauce made with anchovies. And yes, a lot of these uh, sauces, fish sauces in Korea, Vietnam, and the Philippines all developed with anchovies, like you said, Lauren. And a lot of them are much older than that. But uh, they were around. Yeah, that, that's when that's when English language or European language records go back to, because that's yes. when we invaded those countries. Yes, yes. <laughs> Lauren is making a very uh, grim, cheersing face at me. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, the age of colonization, as as mm-hmm. we've talked about many times. Anyway. Yes. Uh, London's John Burgess and Son debuted a sauce called The Essence of Anchovies in 1775. And this stuff was popular. Lord Byron mentioned it in an 1817 poem. Writer Walter Scott named it the best fish sauce Hmm. in 1823. And the sauce won awards at the 1867 Paris Exhibition and the 1873 London International Exhibition. And it went on multiple expeditions to Antarctica. Like, with people, obviously, not just the sauce. Um, but, <laughs> it but wasn't. the people. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like a member of the team. Like it wasn't wearing like a jaunty oh. sailor's cap. <laughs> no, but now I want that too. Um, <laughs> no, people demanded that it, it had to come with them if they were going to make this long, arduous journey. They needed this fish sauce. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the 19th century, Collier fisher folks added lights to their boats as a way to lure anchovies to them because uh, apparently they liked moonlight. Mm-hmm. So... This was a way to do that. But it was perhaps too effective, and it put a serious dent in the population of anchovies in this area. To combat that, big steel boats were ushered in after World War II, and since they were too large for the harbor of Collier, a lot of those salting houses ended up shutting down. And then, when Italian immigrants began arriving to the U.S. in waves in the late 1800s, early 1900s, some of them opened pizzerias. At first, anchovies were offered as toppings, but depending on the location, uh, they were edged out by other more popular toppings, um, in a lot of cases, toppings that Americans were more familiar with. And seemingly over time, they garnered a reputation here that it's only just beginning to be (laughs) shed off. But yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time for anchovies to experience um, 
not even a, a resurgence here in the states, but a, but a surgence, <laughs> an original <laughs> yeah. original surge. Um, yeah, because you know you can you can buy them, you you can you can find them fresh or frozen probably if you're looking for them, but but you can also get them um, shelf stable and preserved, uh, and they've got. All of those, like, like they can have, rather, all of those cool, like, like weird fermenty flavors that a lot of people are, are really into playing with right now. Um, and, and a lot of really great umami. Um, one of the flavor molecules in them is one of the precursors to, um, to glutamate. Um, mm-hmm. I think glutamine, maybe. I'm not, don't quote me on that. I, I, I'm quoting that from memory. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so it's just, just a little, little, little umami bombs. They're, they're try, or, and you can get anchovy paste and you can just use like a tiny little bit in recipes mm-hmm. to just add a little, what's that? Yeah. I saw a lot of recipes I want to try researching this one. And one was, uh, kind of a marinara sauce, but with anchovies, yeah. Um, and I do think a lot of us, me included, have probably had, I've probably had it in a tapenade and not realized it was in oh, there. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, um and then probably in pasta sauces as well. Um, yeah, because you can just, just the same way that you can find tubes of, um, of tomato paste in some grocery stores, you can find tubes of anchovy paste and you can, yeah, it's just, it's great. It's good stuff. Try yeah. it. Yeah. Unless you don't eat yeah. fish. Then, yeah. Then, then no maybe pressure. don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you do you. We're just... <laughs> Humble food podcasters mm-hmm. excited about things um, food related. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We're also excited about listener mail, though. We are, and we will get into some of that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Snow. 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 
Bitch. Bitchy. <laughs> I just did a really weird thing, even for me, but that's all right. I was I was I was acting it all out. She was, she was. There was there was a lot of little 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 hands making little swimming <laughs> fish gestures happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I looked around suspiciously for a beat. <laughs> yeah. And then there was like some schooling action that was going on. I don't know if this all came through. I hope it did. Let's just start <laughs> recording these. We we're, we need to preserve this genius. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel wrote, I am a foodie and just recently started listening to podcasts, including yours. Just to give you an idea, during the first month of the pandemic, I baked through a 25-pound sack of flour. Oh, but sadly, I did not check the amount of butter used. <laughs> I will say that I made a lot of croissants, Danish pastry, pie, strudel, profiteroles, and lots of other goodies at that time. You mentioned in your podcast that making butter was rather time-consuming and took some muscle power, shaking action, if you wanted to make it at home. However, you should know that my daughter successfully made butter once by leaving on the KitchenAid a little too long while whipping cream. <laughs> it was quite the shock to her. <laughs> anyway, just a thought if you wanted an easy way to do it. Why, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes, I like that. We've got a few options, you know. Can make just a little, like shaking a jar. Or if you got a KitchenAid, you know. Just go do for it. it. This way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Butter options uh, <laughs> abound. <laughs> I think it's time to give this a try. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Huh. There's also a lot of, um, uh, or, or at least one pretty famous anchovy preparation that's like an anchovy butter that's like that's like oh, ground yeah. it, like like an anchovy paste mixed with butter and seasonings um uh there's one called um the gentleman's relish i think is the <laughs> brand name and <laughs> i agree with your reaction that's hilarious <laughs> um it's a it's a it's a british thing i guess um i guess that maybe like the two fat ladies or something uh <laughs> The gentleman's relish. We're into it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, um, Sam wrote, I just listened to the classic saver episode on butter. I remember when I saw the episode in my feed, I was shocked that you hadn't done an episode on butter. Then, of course, I realized, one, you had. Two, not only had you done one episode, it had two parts. And three, as the episode started up with past Annie and Lauren, I remembered I had already listened to it. Of course, you had made at least one episode on butter. You had a Julia Child episode. And let's face it, the two are pretty much synonymous. <laughs> butter is a magical substance and plays a central role in so many of my favorite things to make. Brioche, Madeleines, and my nemesis, croissants. I think I may have even written in about this at the time. Croissants are my stress reliever for two reasons. First, they take hours, sometimes even days to make. And so by day four of rolling and cooling and shaping and cutting, when I finally have a tray of freshly baked croissants, I've forgotten what I was stressed about to begin with. The second reason is much simpler, much more of an animal instinct. I have to somehow negotiate a massive 500-gram block of butter, four or five sticks of butter for American listeners, and it's very cold. Rock solid, in fact. To get that block flat, I bring my rolling pin down on top of it, hitting it over and over, working out my rage. In the oven, what makes a croissant rise? It certainly isn't yeast. Yeast, as Lauren will probably tell you, dies at around 38 degrees Celsius. The oven for croissants is preheated to 250 and then turned down. 
The aim is to cook the outside of the croissant quickly before the butter melts out the side. However, multiple things happen to croissants, which are pure magic. As I write this, I'm listening to your croissant recipe because I've been listening to you for so long, I not only get cravings for all the food, I get sudden nostalgic urges to listen to your classic episodes. Aww. When the yeast develops the dough during proofing, or making whoopee, as my old pastry instructor would say, it produces carbon dioxide. At the same time, think about the butter. If you've proofed your croissants in the fridge or overnight in a cold kitchen, your butter is shaped in multiple layers, uh, depending on your recipe, up to 760 layers of butter, and then curled around into a spiral croissant, solidifying into that shape. When forced to heat up quickly, the gas which is already in the dough expands, and at the same time, the remaining water in the butter evaporates and turns into steam, causing the croissant to rise as the gases are forced out from between the layers of thinly compressed butter. If made perfectly, the butter will combine with the flour dough to create a pastry film of sorts, which catches the melting butter and steam, meaning the croissant will rise higher and retain more butter. The timing of the chilling and heating of butter is key. The outer layers brown and become flaky and crisp, but the inner layers need to become soft and lightly chewy. All the while, it needs to be actually cooked on the inside by the time you've reached the right stage of the Maillard reaction to give your croissants that beautiful caramel brown color I strive for, but have only recently managed to achieve. I've been baking my entire life and have had some training in pastry and desserts, but I could never make croissants, no matter how hard I tried. I have produced possibly hundreds of burnt or dry or underdone or ghostly white or cakey croissants in my time, and even though my friends and colleagues would still eat them, I never really felt like I could call myself a true master baker. I can make brioche, puff pastry, even Danish pastries with relative ease, but I could never manage the croissant. That blissful first bite where the brown crisp flakes of buttery pastry fly everywhere like edible shrapnel I thought was my elusive white whale simply not meant to be. Come lockdown, though, I've had significantly more time on my hands, and uh, this is my final year of my PhD, so I've also been quite stressed. So I've been baking more croissants. I finally managed it. Hours of practice have all come to this. I could have shouted for joy, but it was actually 5.30 a.m. when I pulled them out of the oven. The secret? French butter. It costs quite a bit more, but it gets results. Higher water content or something. Congratulations! <laughs> yes! Yay! That's you did awesome! It. Uh-huh! Heckin' good job! Yes! Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's clear you've done your research. You've... You haven't let past failures keep you down. Huh. And this is very impressive. And I'm sure quite the stress reliever. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it's both stressful and stress relieving in like interesting yeah. amounts. Right. I love I love that you're like, yeah, it's a distraction. And also I get to whack stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get croissants and at the end. And you get croissants at the end. Oh, that's delightful. Mm. Also, it congratulations is. on it being your uh, your last year, your PhD. Yeah, double congrats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks to both of those listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, you can, and we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All three places, our handle is at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. 
This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.